0: Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, you can see why we had to move people out in order to make a bit of space in here because i 'm um, just amazed how how full this is today for our first service on uh, Easter Sunday morning. So brilliant welcome um, for those of you who have visited here, great to see you. Thank you for coming. Um, I'm very impressed you made it for the first service. Um, You're the only ones that get eggs, all right? (laughs) Actually, that's not true, but uh, it's a nice touch. I saw you really like that, tucking into that. So anyway, losing an hour of sleep, I tell you what, respect here this morning, this time, brilliant. Um, There are lots of reasons why people are here. On Easter Sunday, some of you have been invited by a friend. And uh, some of you have been bribed. (laughs) Hope it was worth it. I think the egg helps. And some of this, this is what you do. On Easter Day, this is what you do. Families, you come. I've seen a number of families en masse come. Brilliant. Lovely to have you here. And for us as a town centre congregation, first meeting here. Um, the only thing I would ask of you, you know, this is like a new beginning for us too. And so please, can I, when we have a bit of mingle time and time after the meeting, can I ask that you would just take a risk and take a bit of an effort and meet other people. Just meet others. Get to know others. It's really important that we do this and that we don't stick to just our own enclave. Take a risk. Move out your comfort zone. And if this is a first for you, well, it's a first for me too. So after this, I'm going to Haysmere site, then back here for our second service. That's three in a row. That's a first for me too. really looking forward to it. Okay, someone said that Easter is too marvelous for words. But then he said, we're still going to try. So we're going to go to Mark chapter 16. And uh, I'm going to read first... Eight verses. If you haven't got a Bible, don't worry. The words will come up on the screen. And we will dive in. If you have got a Bible, turn to it. it just helps to know your way around your Bible. All right. Verse 1, chapter 16. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, or Salome as some would say, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side. They were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, The women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anybody because they were afraid. All all of the four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they all record this moment. Of these women, followers of Jesus, who went to the tomb and found it empty. Mark's account is the shortest. Mark's account is always the shortest. Mark does short He's economical with his words. If you want to know where to start in the gospel, you want to know about the life of Jesus, start with Mark. I mean, he just like, woof, moves through, great pace, Mark's the guy. And he doesn't waste words, says it as it is, that is his style. And the message they receive here is in verses 6 and 7. It's the Easter message. Let's read that again, shall we? Verses 6 and 7. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. I tell you what, this is life-changing, my friends. This is life-changing. On our Easter card, we've got the phrase, this changes everything. Should we just say that together? This changes everything. It absolutely does. It changes everything. So I want to just pick up on three things this morning. And that is one, it's a message of challenge, and it's a message of grace, and it's a message of new beginnings. So, firstly, it's a message of challenge. It's a challenge for our minds. Let's be honest. It's a challenge for our thinking. You're looking for Jesus of the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. If you were in Israel at that time, uh, just before and after Jesus' death, there were a number of what would be known as messianic movements. Would-be messiahs. Men who regarded themselves as God-anointed leaders. A Messiah was a God-anointed leader who would pull Israel together and, and, and drive out the enemy at the time, just drive them out, and restore the days, their heydays of David's time. That was, that was the role of the Messiah. And they're an occupied nation. They're occupied by the Romans. Now, in every case, there were many of these messianic movements, many of them. And in almost every case, the leader was killed. Most often by execution. And then the movement would collapse. And the followers would go home. And that was that. End of story. Time and time and time again. Movement after movement except for this one. All of those movements, all of those movements... Collapsed, Except for this one. Only this one didn't collapse after the death of their leader. Not only did this movement not collapse. I mean, my friends, it positively exploded. In the course of 300 years, this movement spread throughout the entire Roman Empire. And today, it is by far the largest religious faith on the earth. So you have to ask the question, what made it different from all the rest? Why is this one different from all the rest? Now the Christian church says that the reason is this, that the leader of this movement, Jesus, came back from the dead and appeared to his followers. That is the reason they didn't go home. That's the reason why the movement didn't collapse. That is the reason why this movement exploded and is still exploding. The constant theme running throughout the story of the early church was that God raised this Jesus to life. And they would say, and we are witnesses of the fact. This changes everything, absolutely everything. Wherever they go, that is their story. My friends, they're just simply ordinary people, changed by Jesus. And what do they do? My friends, they go and change the world. This life they find in Christ, they just go and change the world. Ordinary people, ordinary people explode this movement. Furthermore, they stuck to their story. In spite of severe persecution, they stuck to their story. That's why there was such an explosion across the known world. They never stopped following their leader. Christianity is the only religion, it's the only faith that stands and falls on whether its founder was raised from the dead. It is the only one. It stands alone. Now today, we live in High Wycombe. We don't live in Israel, we live in High Wycombe. We're not used to messianic movements. And most of the people here Let's face it. I know this is... It's fairly full in here. But most people in Wickham don't believe this. They just don't believe it. But the question still remains. Why? Why the explosion of this movement? Why? What can account for it? Well, some might say... These accounts of Jesus' death... Were written many years after his death. And therefore... You know, all we're left with is legends. That's just it. It's not true. It's just legends. This is not history. I don't know how the movement got like this. I don't know how it exploded like this. I have not a clue. But this is just about legends. But Mark challenges this assumption. He challenges it. You know, three times in eight verses, Mark writes down the names of the women he does this in chapter 15, verse 40, chapter 15, 47, and in chapter 16, verse 1. He writes down the, women, the names of these women. Saw him dead. At least two of them saw him buried. And then, all of them again, they see the empty tomb. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome. Why does he keep doing that? Now, I have told you, this man writes the shortest gospel. He is most economical with his words, but he keeps repeating these names. He keeps repeating these names. Now, the reason he does that is uh, Richard Bau- was, uh, he's he is a well-regarded historian. Um, I mean, as a scholar, he understands ancient documents. And his point here is that Mark is making a point This is the way ancient historians wrote their stuff. He's letting us know that this is not the stuff of legends. This is is a veritable historical account. In those days, living eyewitnesses had more credence than written documents. In those days, living eyewitnesses had more credence... ...than written documents. Names of eyewitnesses. You know, if you want to know... ...if you want to know the facts... ...ask the eyewitnesses. That is why Mark does this three times. Names them, names them, names them. This week... ...we have seen just terrible scenes... ...in Brussels. You know, at the airport... ...and the metro. You know, I'm I'm sitting there... And watching the TV, I hear this on the radio, I'm thinking, how do families cope with this? How does a family suddenly, you, you know, you don't plan for something like this. And their life is ripped up in front of them. I'm, I'm really so pleased we have that uh, big objection speaker coming in on the 17th of April. I th- I'm, just a great line for them to do that. But I noticed this as I listened to the radio and I watched the TV that the reporters, when they were speaking to people, they introduced them as, this is such and such who is an eyewitness of what happened. And this is such and such who is an eyewitness of what happened. And, this is, and they were walking down the tracks of the train in the metro, they were an eyewitness of what happened. Living eyewitnesses. That's why, Mark, make sure you get it. If you're a Christian here, I want to encourage your faith. This is true. This is absolutely true, rock solid. That was the primary choice of authenticity, living eyewitnesses, names of people, so that this can be corroborated. If you want to check out the story, ask them, cross-examine them. You know, even though (laughs) this is sometime after the event, it is the earliest gospel, and the point that Mark is making, these are living eyewitnesses. Go and ask them. Go on, go and do that. Mark is not the only one. Luke does this as well. He, uh, he gives you a plethora of names. In the second century, there was a Greek philosopher known as Celsus. And um, he wrote a number of books refuting Christianity. Apparently, he was quite a formidable opponent. One of his strongest arguments was this statement. That Christianity can't be true. Because the accounts of the resurrection are based on the testimony of women. Now, I never upset your audience. uh, (laughs) It's what they say. When you're speaking, don't ever upset your audience. And then he goes on to say, and we all know that women are hysterical. (laughs) I'm hoping to get out of here alive. (laughs) Because... And then this is bad enough <laughs> the point is this that everybody everybody at that time would have been nodding their heads and going yeah yeah you know I'm not going to ask you to do that by the way but that's a that's a problem that is a that's a problem because women were marginalized and their testing was regarded as untrustworthy well now just think about that you realize what this means of course the gospel writers are well aware of the fact if they're making this up they wouldn't have put the women there as first eyewitnesses they wouldn't have done it if they were were making this up that is something they would not have done unless of course it was true and it really happened Mark challenges our thinking this is a true record I think we'll put that one out shall we thank you just beginning to feel uncomfortable if you watch watching another position I heard is done a number of times and this many times people will say well you know people in those days were just gullible <laughs> i like this one they were just gullible C.S. C. Lewis calls it chronological snobbery I don't have time to go into that but it's, it's a brilliant a brilliant <laughs> expose of this type of thinking and the thinking is well we're back then people just believed in anything They believed in anything. They were open to such things as someone being raised from the dead. But we're in a modern world. And and we don't believe in miracles. So we know this can't be true. And throughout his account, Mark responds to that line, in case you're thinking it. In chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10. And he's not the only gospel writer that does this. And he has this thread of saying, Jesus saying, and i will rise on the third day and i will rise on the third day and i will rise on the third day my friends it's the third day there's no disciples there there's no disciples there the women have come with spices and perfumes for a dead body there's no conversation about a third day not one of the disciples not is 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 there even out of curiosity you know it's the third day what do you think what do you think? It's the third day, bank holiday. Why don't we just go down and have a look? Go on. You know, we've got nothing. Curiosity's sake. We could just, third day. Hey, it's none of that. The only discussion they have is who's going to move the stone. Please, don't give me gullible. They believe what everyone else believes. Dead people stay dead. That's what They believed. Don't tell me they were gullible and we're not. Resurrection of Jesus was as inconceivable for them as it is for us. Mark challenges your thinking. So what is your thinking? They were eyewitnesses, my friends. Eyewitnesses. Luke gives you a picture of the whole day they met him. They encountered him. The women, the disciples, others, people who went on a walk to Emmaus. Jesus turns up. The apostle says he met with one five hundred of them at one time. Do you know it's no wonder that this story of Jesus being raised from the dead, it's no wonder it just kept going and going and going. Why? Because they couldn't let go of it. Why? Because it was true. The evidence challenged them. Has it challenged you? They found it inconceivable. My friend, if you want to have a look into this, you must go on an alpha course. Got on an Alpha course. It would so help you. Somebody went on an Alpha course. They didn't become a Christian. They just came on the Alpha course. And they said afterwards to me, Do you know, I really understand why you believe what you believe. I thought that it was really helpful for them. They had never thought it through. You don't have to pick up somebody else's philosophy, somebody else's worldview. You can have your own. Secondhand doesn't work, believe me. So... Alpha really helps. And secondly, this is a message of grace. Go tell his disciples and Peter. He's going ahead of you to Galilee. You know, at the moment of reckoning, they are nowhere, those boys. They are nowhere. When they come to arrest Jesus, they're gone. And they all said they'd hang around. Not one of them hangs around. They are gone. I mean, capital G, gone. You know, Jesus could have said... You tell that bunch of faithful yellow-bellied cowards that if they want to come and see me, they better come groveling. Doesn't do that. Just come. He's gone ahead of you. He'll be waiting for you. Just as he told you. Luke fills out all the detail of that meeting. It is me. See my hands, my feet. Go on, touch me. Touch me. I just love that. Go on, I, I I am real. I am real. You read that all in Luke's gospel. But the grace line for me is this. Go and tell the disciples and Peter. He could have just left it at the disciples, couldn't he? Go and tell the disciples. And Peter. What a lovely thing to say. They all do a runner. But Peter's the one who denies Jesus three times. Not once. Somebody said, oh, you get a second chance. No, no, no. Denies the second. Denies it three times. And Peter. Go and tell the disciples and Peter. Peter could have thought after this, I'm not going. You know, I'm not going. Not after what I've done. You could be sitting here saying that's the same thing. Not after what I've done. Oh, you go, I've gone too far. It's too far for me. You know, if you really knew me, (laughs) you wouldn't want to know me. If you really knew me, you wouldn't want... Jesus knows we disqualify ourselves. One of the favorite lines I hear is, I couldn't be a Christian. I'm not good enough. Have you ever heard that before? I just heard that so many times. Oh, I I couldn't go to church i can go i couldn't be a christian i'm not good enough you'll pick up a flavor of that in a video interview we're going to see in just a moment jesus paid the price for not good enough you cannot pay this bill my friends this is one of my biggest stumbling blocks things i've done things i said the shame in my life the rubbish i've been involved with and the forgiveness of god it's just wonderful don't miss it go tell the disciples and Peter I love that Christian life is not about what you do it's about what he has done there's a father and son and they're driving down the motorway and the window's open and they're on the outside lane and they're having a breeze it's a young boy in the back and this bee comes into the car Bzzz, and the boy gets really uptight he gets upset he's f- it's just he's screaming shouting, shrieking in the back and the father goes and everything goes quiet and continues driving the car and then he lets the bee go and the boy gets anxious again he says, it's okay son I've taken its sting and he drives over to the hard shoulder opens the door out goes the bee and he'd taken his sting Jesus has taken your sting. He's taken the sting of sin, my friends. And he took it on the cross so that you might go free. So that anguish may not be part of your life. And fear may not be part of your life. He has set you free. Hallelujah. Jesus has taken your sting. He's paid the penalty for our sin in full And the resurrection is the receipt. So when we pay for a bill, we get a receipt. I tell you what, he came out of that grave. It's the receipt. Paid in full. Hallelujah. He's taken the sting of sin. And you can have a new life, my friends. We can have a new beginning in him. Why? Because we have the resurrection as our receipt. Praise the Lord. His invitation, my friends, is for eternal life eternal life you are not going to be stuck in that body of yours forever you will have a new body the resurrection is a receipt and a lot of you will go amen 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 to that jesus resurrection transforms lives and we're going to see an interview of a couple for whom that has occurred and this message they bring is a message of new beginnings can we have the video up please So Steve and Aisha, you've both
1: been coming to King's for around about a year now. But before that, what was your experience of church? Steve, what was it for you? None.
2: Vaguely, uh, I remember going to a christening or a wedding as a small child. But uh, other than that, nothing at all. And how about
1: you, Aisha?
3: Um, I had been to church on occasions when I was about three or four with my gran Um, but she passed um, and after that I think I was about seven or eight and I remember seeing people going into a church and thinking that's where the good people went.
1: So Aisha, church really wasn't an important part of your life before you started coming here, but your brother was very influential in terms of you starting your own journey with, with Jesus. Why was your brother so important?
3: Because he had lived a life of crime, drug addiction, alcohol addiction um, for about 15 years and was in and out of prison Um, and when he gave his life to Christ um, there was just this huge transformation. He hadn't been in prison since, he turned his life around, got married um, and it was just an absolute shock to everybody Um, and I thought there's got to be something in this.
1: So your brother invited you to his baptism. At that point, what was life like for you?
3: Um, I had suffered from anxiety and depression in the past um, and had quite dark thoughts at, at times, um, sort of having no purpose, wondering why I'm here. Um, and at that particular time, I'd been having those thoughts again. Um, so I, I don't know why, but I felt a, a a calling to sort of speak to my brother um, about it and I was uh, invited to his baptism so I went to support him um, but then we had the conversation afterwards.
1: So, so Aisha what did your brother say to you?
3: Um, I'd said to him that I'd been experiencing these really dark thoughts um, I felt c- called to speak to him but asked him if he'd please not talk to me about God um, and he actually, the answer was that I needed to to take it to Jesus, that only Jesus could take these thoughts away.
1: So what did you do in response to this?
3: Um, I felt quite disappointed at the time. As I said, I, I felt he had the answer. I was convinced he had the answer. Um, but I went away feeling a bit disappointed. And um, But the next day, the next morning, I woke up um, and it had sort of I'd had thoughts flying around and I thought I've got nothing to lose so I'm going to try praying to see if he's real, to see if he is there and if he is to let me know so that I, I wouldn't be in any kind of doubt that you know I'd made it up. Um, so I prayed for him to reveal himself to me. It's hard to tell with the timings but I think probably a minute or two I just felt an overwhelming sense of love that I'd never experienced before Um, of peace, and I just felt in a really, really good place, and I felt like a weight had been lifted.
1: So, Steve, you met Aisha at work, and she was very influential in your own journey. What was it about Aisha that attracted you to church? Um, It was the transformation in
2: Aisha. She was very happy, very positive... And uh, after going through my own uh, trials and tribulations, um, I thought, wow, I'd I'd love to feel happiness like that.
1: So, Steve, Aisha was desperate for you to come to church and to get to know Jesus. She was doing an alpha course down here at King's. And she started sending you WhatsApp or text messages with Bible verses. What was your response to that? Um, Well, it's certainly something... uh no one's ever sent me before, <laughs>
2: uh, but uh, I, did, I did read them, and uh, I was very surprised of how relevant they were to me, um, and I, I got a lot from them, and um, it wasn't long before I was
1: tracking down Bible verses of my own and uh, searching the word. So Aisha invited you to church. What happened next?
2: Well, we came down. We came down to church the following Sunday and uh, I remember being very taken back by it all, really. It's nothing like I've ever experienced before. Uh, the band were, were, were amazing and uh, there were lots of people praying and uh, it was just really, really good, really positive and, uh, yeah, I got a lot from it.
1: So a next step for you shortly after that, Steve, was to get baptised. What, what encouraged you to get baptised? Um, well, the day
2: after me and Aisha got married, um, someone was speaking on stage about when um, Jesus calmed the storms. And um, there was a bit of a storm in my life, I guess you could say, an ongoing storm. And um, I really wanted that to be calmed. I wanted to feel peace. And uh, it was it was that day that I, I let the Holy Spirit in. And uh, I just remember feeling very relaxed and at peace like I've never felt in my entire life. And uh, I knew that could only be the Holy Spirit, so it was uh, time for me to be baptised.
1: So you've both had your lives changed through making a decision to follow Jesus. Aisha. how has that affected how you talk to other people about Jesus?
3: Um, I have regular dreams about talking to people about Jesus um, I wake up and I'm disappointed that it wasn't real, that it wasn't another person that I got to speak to. Um, he's completely transformed my life for the better and it shouldn't be something that's kept a secret. It does need to be shared and there's nothing more than for other people to experience the peace and the love and the acceptance um, that's completely changed my life.
1: So you've both got a really big change coming up, a new baby. Steve, how do you see the future?
2: Very positively. Uh, I'm a little nervous about becoming dad, (laughs) but uh, I know it's uh, God that put us together, and uh, well, He's going to take care of us.
0: Aisha and Steve, thank you so much for sharing a story like that. that's great. Uh, there's lots more that they could have told you, I can assure you, but uh, Jesus has done just a marvelous work in their lives. In a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to pray for, uh, really for people who just like people to stand alongside them, and perhaps in things that you're going through in life, difficulties, uh, troubles, things you, you just want someone to stand with you. We, don't, we just like an opportunity to do that, and Richard will pick that up in a moment or two. But there may be some of you, and you think, you know, this is time I got back on track. I I really miss this. This is what my life should be about, and I, I've, I, you know, I've just I'm half-hearted. I've walked away, and it's just not working. You know, today is your day, and I'm going to give you a moment in a moment. So, and and for some of you, think, I I want this new beginning. This is a message of new beginning. This this could be your. Your new beginning today it'll start today it'll start today my friends because this Jesus he's paid in full all your shame and all your humiliation and all the rubbish in your life and the things you want to forget I tell you they're difficult I know but I tell you what to be forgiven by him it's the cleanest thing in the world the cleanest thing in the world so let's close our eyes can we and um, So before Richard does a more of a wider, general sense of people being prayed for, I want to give that invitation. Is there anyone here? Anyone here? And you know, Jesus has spoken to you. This morning, you probably, you may not have even expected it, and yet you know this is for you. Let's go keep our eyes closed, shall we? And all I'm going to ask you to do is to raise your hand. And after that, I'm just going to do a prayer. But if that is you, please raise your hand. And you're indicating to the Lord, Lord, I'm getting back on track. I am, I'm getting back on track with you. Anyone, anyone, thank you. Thank you. Somebody want to make a fresh start, thank you. To any, anyone else here. Just time. Take the, the, thank you. This is a moment for you. This is your moment. God has spoken for you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now just pop our hands down, shall we? Father, I thank you for those who responded today. Father, I pray that just like Aisha said, they would know the kindness of God even today fall in their life. They would know the mercy and the kindness of God. I pray, Lord, they would bring all their stuff to you and ask you to forgive them and to start this walk with you anew and a fresh this day, Lord, come and great kindness and wonder come and touch their lives today. I ask that in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, for those of you who responded, I would ask that even in the general time, you could come out for prayer at that time, but If not, speak to somebody you know, bring somebody with you and talk to them about the decision you've made. It's really important that you move on with the decision that you have made. God bless you. Thank you.